Hello and welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where you learn to navigate the workplace, business, and your career with a little more ease and a lot less angst. I'm your host, Jacqueline Beck, and we are joined by a very special guest today, Marissa Sachs, who has had quite an interesting career. Welcome, Marissa. Hello. Thank you for having me. So excited you're here and so excited to meet you. Uh, Her career has spanned reality TV. You might recognize her from being a star on Millionaire Matchmaker, which I know I loved. Um, She has moved into entrepreneurship and has her own lifestyle app called Caviar Lifestyles. And she is the host of her own podcast, Get Some. So welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I do have to mention, we're also joined by another very special guest. Yes. Who is her chihuahua. She's a little sidekick, chihuahua. Yeah. Blythe Matilda. Blythe Matilda. She's actually a chihuahua, but it's just easy. Yeah, I know. It's like a very, it's a conversation piece. Like, what is she? So if I want to like expand the conversation, I go with chihuahua because then it's like, what? Well, what is a chihuahua? She's half chihuahua, half wiener dog, which is like the dachshund, like the long hot dog. That's a great name though. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah. You have such an interesting background. Thanks. And so- Before we dig in, do you mind just telling everyone a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, for sure. So I will start from the beginning. I am a Midwest girl born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. I went to Ohio State. uh, Well, actually before Ohio State, I studied abroad in Spain. I was in Salamanca at Universidad de Salamanca. I have taken Spanish for so long, I should be fluent. And it's really ridiculous that I'm not don't know what I was doing during all the classes, but I can like, you know, I can have a good conversation. I can understand more than I can speak. But once I have a couple of cervezas, I feel like I, I'm like jiving a little bit more. I know. I think it just gives you like the courage to like try. So when I'm a little bit tipsy, I feel like I can speak better Spanish or maybe I think I can't. I don't know. Your inhibitions. Yeah. 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 So uh, University of Salamanca, went to Ohio State. Uh, then after Ohio State, I made the jump and moved out to LA. Just started from the bottom and grinded to the top of where Millionaire Matchmaker, that was really like my last big thing that I did. I did a little, well, actually that's not true. I was a host of a Viagra, um, a Viagra pill that was for women called Addy after that. Okay. So that I did some more gigs like based off of being the host on Millionaire Matchmaker. Okay. But um it did not originally start as reality TV because I don't feel like people go to LA and they're like, I want to be a reality star. That doesn't happen. You're like, okay, I want to do serious acting and scripted work. So I just did a lot of extra work until I got my SAG vouchers, worked my way up. Um, networked with people on the set, crew, all the PAs, because obviously, you know, you're, you're networking. And then if you know somebody, then they're like, oh, I know the perfect person for this part. And people are so flaky that they just like cancel last minute. And if you're on their, in their speed dial or in their contacts, they call you and you have to, you have to be on call, like ready, ready for anything to happen. So just a lot of networking and auditioning, a lot of no's, which you have to get used to. It's not personal. You just have to be like, okay, well, that's fine. You know, you, I actually went to this casting director workshop that I'll never forget. Um, They try to explain it to you like, 
if the job is casting for Orange Crush, then you're and you're Pepsi, you're not going to get the role because you're Orange Crush. You can't change into Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Like it's not personal. It's just like what they're looking for. So you kind of have to like not be as sensitive. Mm-hmm. You kind of have just to go in, give it your best shot. Hope you get the part, but move on right after the audition. Um, did a lot of scripted stuff, Scary Movie 5, Entourage Greek, How I Met Your Mother, a lot of soap operas. So yeah. was this all before or after Millionaire Matchmaker? So that was all before. Okay. Um, I just did, you know, you just grind. You got to yep. audition, audition, and you just never know what's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, Millionaire Matchmaker was, that aired in 2014. Okay. And they're still doing reruns today. I catch them every so often. Do you? I loved the show for yeah. so many reasons. Thanks. But I loved the show. Yeah, it was really a good time. It was a fun experience meeting everybody and doing that. And, you know, I'll still get messages from friends that are like, oh, I just saw you on TV. I'm like, really? On what? Oh, Millionaire Matchmaker was on. I was like, wow, that those reruns. Yeah. And like, I'm excited about that. Like, we need to stay relevant. <laughs> it's all about staying relevant. Yeah. So how did you get involved on Millionaire Matchmaker? I auditioned. Okay. Yeah, I auditioned. I had known Patty for a really long time uh, before that, but she wasn't in charge of the casting. Mm-hmm. I was just like, like I said, being in LA, you, it's a very big, small city, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Like you, everybody knows everybody. And so once you get into like that Hollywood group, you kind of are like, oh yeah, I know them or I've met them. And so everybody's kind of like floating around the same circles. I actually got that specific job because the casting director reached out to me directly on my cell phone and was like, I have the perfect gig for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was, she was like, wear a pencil skirt. I was like, oh my God, I'm in a pencil skirt. And she was like, no way. Well, here's the address. I was like, oh my God, I'm down the street. And she was like, okay, just get in here. (laughs) So I went in, auditioned. And like I said, you have to just forget about it because I didn't hear anything for a month. Oh, wow. No, nothing. So I was like, oh, I didn't get it. I didn't, you know, I didn't get it. You You just keep moving on. And I was with my girlfriend and I got a phone call and it was actually a voicemail one of the producers and he goes, congratulations. You are our new host on millionaire matchmaker. Your call time is 6am Monday morning. And it was like Friday. I was like, I'm not ready. I need to like work out and go do, go shopping for new clothes. I mean, you stress out, but that's yeah. what I'm talking about. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. Yeah. Cause you don't know when you're going to get that call. Yes. And you, yeah, there's no excuse. And then what prompted you to transition into entrepreneurship and technology? So like I said, being um, relevant. So that show ended and like she ended on Bravo and then they switched to we. And so I did that one season, I think it was 23 episodes and it was kind of like, okay, do I want to be a one hit wonder or do I want to like monetize and milk this role that I had. That's like, everybody knows they're familiar, even if they don't know me or recognize me immediately, they know millionaire matchmaker. Yeah. So I just wanted to monetize. I met this guy who does technology. He builds apps. And as soon as he was introduced to me, he wanted to partner immediately just because he didn't have my marketing reach. Yeah. 
he said that he built amazing apps with, you know, people would come to him with tons of money and they would invest like half a million, a million dollars in two platforms, but they didn't have the reach Mm. because that's a priceless thing. Yes. You have to have the connections in order to get the people on to move the application. So it was a great partnership. Um, We built the app. We're on both, it's called Caviar Lifestyles, but we're on the app store and on Google Play right now. I haven't been doing any marketing except for like this type of marketing where I'm talking about it. Yeah. We're doing another fundraising round right now. Oh, exciting. It's the worst part of it for me. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Because I don't know. I feel... I don't like asking for things oh. at all. I like being able to do everything myself. What 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 is that about? What? That I don't like asking for things? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay, let's dive into this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was like a career it is, podcast, not a psychology. I don't know. I think I just don't like needing to depend on somebody else for something, which is probably yeah. why... I wanted to have my own company. So I have my own income, my own, I'm my own boss. I don't have to answer to anybody telling me what to do, when to come, when to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you why I ask that. Yeah. Let's Tongue hear. in cheek, but okay. I'll tell you why I ask that. Yeah. I, I work with a lot of people in my business and, and in my practice uh-huh. that like doing everything themselves yeah. and really struggle with delegation. Yeah. And as you know, being at the helm of an organization or even being at the helm of a group, mm-hmm. it's very hard to progress to that next level and scale if you don't start getting some stuff off your plate. Right. And I completely agree with you. And I'm good. Like I'm a lot better, but I think asking for money specifically is really hard because I have to convince, say you're an investor and I have to convince you of why my idea is such a good idea and it's going to work. You know, nobody, I see it and the people who are involved with me see it, but I don't want you to be involved unless you actually see it. So that's very interesting. A few weeks ago, we had an expert on about communication and persuasion. Yeah. And one of the really interesting things I learned was that you can't persuade somebody. No, you can't. They have to persuade themselves. Correct. And I think a lot of people share in that discomfort mm-hmm. in asking for money or asking for the sale, yeah, which is natural at the end of the sales process. If anything, like I'm doing you a favor by taking your money. Like that's what they need to comprehend because in a two-year turnaround, I'm going to sell this bitch for a hundred million. Like, <laughs> like you're going to be thanking me for like asking you for, I just, you know, I've taken so many meetings with people and they're like, come back to me when you have a, you know, a half a million dollar. I've raised 250,000 so far That's great. for it. And that's how we built the apps. Um, but then we're doing another $1 million raise. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's kind of like auditioning. You're auditioning investors. Yeah. Come back to me when you're making revenue. Mm, no, because I won't need you then. Like I'll be making revenue and I won't need your money. What types of investors is there, are your capital coming from? Angel. Okay. Yeah. Angel private money. I'm open to anything right now. I've talked to a couple of VCs. There's one that actually just said that they wanted to get involved. Um, we're trying to raise the next hundred thousand and then they'll kick in the next 900, um, which would be great. Or if somebody is like, Oh, I want to give you 
you know, 200 or 500, like two people at 500, that's fine too. Yeah. The, the, the capital raising fundraising process, I think is so opaque yeah. for a lot of people. What has surprised you the most about it? As far as what? With the people or? The people, the process, hurdles you've had to jump through that you maybe you didn't expect. With the fundraising? Yeah. Um, people always want to see your materials, your business plan, your deck, your tear sheet. It's all bullshit. Okay. If you're interested, you're interested. I can make you a pretty packet. Like I have all of the things. Yeah. I have the 30 page business plan, all the projections, but it's a projection. I'm not God. I can't predict like what it's going to do. I can project the numbers for you based on other applications who have done the same thing, but you're going to have to invest in me. You're going to have to invest in me and my ambition and like my my creativity and my motivation to get this done. I agree so much. It comes down to the people either at the helm of the organization, their vision and an investor's belief in Mm -hmm. whether or not they can execute. Yeah. And it's funny because as you're talking, I used to be in commercial real estate on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And so we used to buy office buildings and Mm -hmm. shopping malls and apartment buildings. And to do that, we would value the buildings through a discounted cash flow model, mm-hmm. right? So it's exactly what you're yeah. talking about. You're projecting out growth rates. You're projecting so out rent. Stupid. And I remember yeah. one of the first things, because I like being right. That's one of my things, right? <laughs> one of the first things one of my bosses told me was you have to get comfortable with the fact that whatever you turn in is inevitably going to be wrong. Really? Okay, so let me ask you, why is that? Why do you always need to be right? Well, let's psychology this. (laughs) I'll take a very esoteric path to answering that. Yeah. I think it's very similar to goal setting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very similar to um, thinking about your own strategic plan for your life, for your career. Mm -hmm. You can have goals and you can have a direction you want to go in. Mm -hmm. And that's for a business. That's for an individual. That's for everyone. And I think that is incredibly important because again, it gives you that direction. It Mm -hmm. gives you that push. It gives you something to work toward. Yeah. The path of getting there inevitably is different Mm -hmm. than you think it's going to be. Oh yeah. You can't plan for sure. And with being right, I don't mind if I'm wrong. I'm actually, okay, well, no, I don't know what that means. Or can you explain it to me? Cause I like to learn new things. And if I'm wrong, tell me, and I'll be the first one to admit, okay, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this or I should do this instead next time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, there's so many different paths to take. There's no right or wrong way to raising capital or finding the right investor. I've talked to so many other women who, you know, on my podcast is female entrepreneurship. And I'm always asking them, how did you raise your capital? Like, what was your path? One lady told me the guy came to her, it was the first day and he offered her X amount of money. And he goes, what's your valuation? And she just made it up in her head. It was like, (laughs) "Mm." X percent of, and you know, for X dollars. And he was like, okay, done. I want to do this. I like you. I like what you're representing. I was like, what? It's very shark tank. Yeah. But it was real life. And now she's like a multimillionaire. I don't know how much she sold her company for. I think 50 million. Well, that kind of goes back to what you were saying before about always being prepared, always being ready. Think on your feet, come up with the number. 
Well, and not even just that, but do the hard work ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So you're at least well-versed enough in your processes, your product, Mm -hmm. um, what your differentiators are, what your value proposition is. So that if you, I mean, this is the trite example, but if you happen to meet somebody in an elevator, you can give them your two minute pitch, Mm -hmm. right? Of all, of all the great things that, that you have. Yeah. And one thing I want to go back to, Mm -hmm. because as you were talking about your career journey, a lot hit on networking. Mm -hmm. And I love that it hit on networking Mm -hmm. because so much of business is people and it's relationships and it's who you know. Mm -hmm. And it goes back again to what we were just talking about, about being prepared so that when the opportunity comes, you're there. It's with anything, with acting, making sure you're in shape, you feel good, you're ready mentally, physically for the audition for the role, being ready with the deck, with the numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people struggle with networking. Okay. Really? I mean, yes, of course they do. I think naturally extroverted people might feel more comfortable going up to somebody and starting a conversation. And then there are people who naturally don't feel comfortable taking that first step. Yeah. I'm kind of both. It depends on my mood that day. An ambivert? Yeah. I am one too. Yeah. Like I'm very homebody where I don't want to socialize at all. But then like when I'm in the room or in the scene and I'm thrown in, I'm like, okay, let's do this. So what helped (laughs) you gain the energy to go out and network when you first moved to LA? You have to. There's no other option. You know, you have, I mean, you apply online to actors access. You have to go out, find your agent. And even when you have an agent, they don't do crap. (laughs) They don't. They just show up when they want their 10%. And it's crazy. It really is. Like everything on my IMDb, I've gotten myself just because I knew somebody. I knew the casting director. They gave me a chance to get in the room or, you know, I auditioned for somebody for something else. And then they were willing to bring me in on this other role to audition for that. It's all about networking. Exactly. And if you don't get out there and talk to people, then I don't really know how you're going to find any opportunities. Where did you find were the best places to meet people? Um, for, for that, business. Yeah. For you're talking well, with acting or in general. So you can, you can bifurcate it for acting, capital raising and fundraising for your current business. I feel like I would go to Cannes Film Festival every year for caviar to do investment funding. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on Paul Allen's yacht and that was the best place for networking with, um, tech yeah. gurus because they're all on the boat. So nobody's going anywhere. So you just walk around the boat. Hey, who are you? Nice to meet you. Da, 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 da. Next, same thing. And just captive audience. Yeah. And then, um, but in Cannes, I literally would say you turn around, like you step on somebody's foot and you turn around and it's somebody who's working on a project that you may or may not want to be involved with. Everybody was doing something creative minded. It's just the place of where everybody was for entertainment or capital raising or projects. And that, that was the best place I think, because if you're in, if you're in the industry, you want to be at a film festival for sure, because everybody's proactive. I wouldn't say a bar, you know, a lot of people say, I'm sure you're expecting me to say, Oh, just go to a bar. No, I was not expecting you to say that. I actually love your answer and I'll tell you why. 
Um, while it might seem foreign to a lot of people Mm -hmm. because, you know, Hollywood and acting can seem like this foreign and glamorous thing. It's not glamorous. I keep going. (laughs) We can get into that too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, but what the, the core of your message is very applicable to any industry. It's go where the people that you want to meet go. Right. Right. And so that's industry events, Mm -hmm. Cannes Film Festival, right. That is, you know, if there is a a social event or something like that, that attracts people Mm -hmm. in your industry, make sure you go. So it's making sure you're surrounded by the people you need to be. Like-minded people. Exactly. And that's exactly what Caviar Lifestyles is to find like-minded people. Great segue. Yeah. Did you like that? That was artful. That was pretty slick. Yeah. Very slick. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Caviar Lifestyle? Well, I created it for that exact reason. Yeah. Because if it could be for dating, it could be for friendship, you know, say I'm moving here and I don't have any girlfriends. We want to, I want to find somebody who likes to do yoga or go on walks or go to happy hour. Like they can show me the local sushi places. I could post I'm going to go to a sushi spot here looking for a new girlfriend around this age. I just moved here. Somebody I can hang out with, or I could be looking for a date and post. So not only is it good for like-minded people, but it's also instant gratification because people want the now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can find something within like the next two hours Um, because I don't know, you're married. So you probably haven't been on dating apps. I don't know how long you're You've been in a relationship. Oh, no, I, I was on all of them in New York City. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, that probably was a nightmare. Oh, it was fun. Yeah, so when you post, instead of like talking to somebody forever, it's already planned. The date is planned in advance. So you don't have to be like, are they going to ask me out? Am I going to ask them out? Where are we going to go? So it's like, I'm going here. Are you in? Are you out? The end. It's like you swipe left or right on the activity. It's not, oh, you're good looking. I'm good looking. It's, oh, I like to do this too. Let's do it together. Well, and I think you're hitting on something there, which is this fundamental human need of belonging, mm-hmm. right? And that could be belonging to a romantic partnership. It can be belonging to a group of people. It could be belonging to an organization or a job. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I'm reading a really great book right now. That it's called it. Atomic Habits uh-huh. by James Clear. Okay. And what he says is that the human brain has evolved to need that instant gratification. Yeah. Right. And that is part of solidifying good habits because you're making it satisfying. Mm -hmm. And so it increases the likelihood that you'll do it in the future. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a, it's an interesting tactic to say, but what I love about that too is, you know, meeting other people in your profession, Mm -hmm. meeting people, that you have shared values with. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about values on the podcast because I'm a big believer that you A, need to be aware of your own mm-hmm. and then B, need to be aware of the values of any organization or group that you're going to join. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like what you're talking about is somewhat about a value system. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to socialize, you become your environment. Yes. So whoever you're hanging out with and doing those things with is the um, characteristics that you take on, the motivational pull, the ambition. Um, 
I just think it's important to be able to find those people. And especially after COVID, I hate to be like, oh, COVID, blah, 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 ruined everything. But people aren't really talking to each other if they're strangers in public, especially now, more so now. So this gives people a way to do community activities, whether it could be a group thing, Mm -hmm. it could be a one-on-one thing. For example, I, I know a lot about crypto, but I don't know a lot, a lot. I know just like beginner stages where I would love to know more. I have a little, a little spread of crypto and all coins. I would love to get more into that community. So if I got on caviar lifestyles and I would type in the search bar crypto, maybe somebody was having a dinner with 10 people and they were talking about crypto and talking about coins and just investment opportunities and ideas. I would love to go to that and hang out with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, also if, if you want to get into something you've never even experienced like art or music or horseback riding, it just, it allows you to find the people that you wouldn't just, I mean, I could walk to somebody on the street and be like, Hey, do you know anything about art? Oh, you do. Do you want to hang out? Right. Right. Yeah. It's weird. So you surround yourself with the people who either skills or habits or things like that, that you're trying to emulate and develop for yourself. I personally try, have always tried to surround myself with people who like put myself in a room where everybody else knew more than me, where I could bring myself up and learn from them. Yeah. Because if you're the smartest person in the room, what's that really going to do for you? I agree with that. I love learning. Yeah. I used to say, I'm a little bit of a geek. I used to say if I could just be in school forever, I would. Really? I would not be in school I mean, I wouldn't forever. take tests forever, but I would love just to, you know, learn yeah. every day. No, learning is fun. I think I'm more like like this type of learning where it's conversational, mm-hmm. learning as I go, hands-on. Yeah. I'm not into like sitting in school. I would be falling asleep during econ and like, no, I can't listen to another lecture. Well, it depends the subject matter, I guess. Yeah. I, I want to go back to something you said earlier mm. because I think there, there's something profound in it. Mm. And I think everyone knows that people who go out to Hollywood, everyone says you hear no a lot. Yeah. Right. We're also having this conversation about capital and fundraising. Terrible. Where, <laughs> where you hear no a lot too. Yeah. Right. Regardless of how much conviction and belief you have in your product. Mm -hmm. And I think it's inevitable for people on their career journeys or on their own journeys of entrepreneurship or building their businesses that they're going to hear no. Of course. How do you develop a tough skin to not let it get to you? You just have to be like, okay, well, it's not me. It's not me personally. Like you're just not comprehending what I'm offering. Or maybe you just are not like-minded. We're not like-minded. Maybe my, what I'm interested in, I like chocolate, you like vanilla. That's okay. That doesn't mean chocolate's bad or vanilla's bad. It just means we have different tastes yeah. in things. So I think that people need to just not take things so personal. I think everybody today is so sensitive about everything. I yeah. feel like it's scary to even say something because you're like, oh, am I going to hurt their feelings? Can I say this? Can I, I just... You know, I speak pretty freely. I'm not, it's, I don't know. I just kind of say it how I see it, but. Well, I think there's an element to being, especially in a business context. Yeah. There's a shared goal. Yeah, of course. Right. So there's a shared goal. So typically feedback 
is in pursuit of that goal. Mm -hmm. Unless there's just some person who is giving opinions willy nilly. Right. But you also like in raising capital, we were offered $5 million Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted 90% of the company. Right. And I was like, that's not an investment. That's an, that's a mini acquisition. Yes. I was like, so you basically are like, I was like, let me rephrase this for you. So you would like to purchase the rights to my name to go and put it on whatever you see fit, you know, like God forbid. Well, you bring up something great too, which I'm sure, I mean, there's parallels in dating, business, your career, whatever you would say, Mm -hmm. but you have to make sure the other side of the table works for you too. Oh, I've said no to money, which is so frustrating because, you know, we need to do that capital raise. All money is not equal. Right. Like if you're, you're tied to that person, Mm -hmm. once you take a dollar from them, they're not going anywhere. Oh, it's a relationship. Yeah. They're going to call you a lot. And that's where I think that understanding of someone or an organization's value system is so, it's so important before you go enter into any partnership. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding what's important to them. Mm -hmm. What's not important to them. How do they communicate? How don't they communicate? What's the best way for me to get my message across? Mm -hmm. What are their goals? How do those align or conflict with my goals, mm-hmm. right? And and understanding that landscape is so critical because a lot of it is managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of whiteboarding needed before accepting or declining. Give me a whiteboard and a marker. I feel like you'd love that. You'd I love it. Yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. You like have your dream is like whiteboards all over the mm. wall now with books and. My dream was the library from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's a good one. Always. That's a good one. With the ladder that moved. That's way more um, aesthetically pleasing. Than whiteboards everywhere yeah. with chicken scratch on them. Yes. So, yeah. so Marissa, as, as we wind down, uh-huh. I like to rapid fire two questions. Sure. To my I'm guests. Scared. I'm scared. Let's Putting see. you on the hot seat. Okay. I promise you they're not tough. Okay. So the first mm-hmm. is... As somebody who has navigated through different seasons of your career, yep. How, what advice would you give to somebody who's thinking of a, a big pivot or change? To launch their own company or? To do anything, either change a job, launch their own business. They're just feeling stuck yeah, and they want to get unstuck. Yeah, this is a good one. I've definitely been there for sure. Most but, people have. Yeah, more than once. And it is not a good feeling. It's scary. Change is very scary. Um, I think that the best advice that I could give is to see, like in order to see what else is out there, again, it goes right back to what we were talking about with networking, get out into the open, talk to people, see what's available. Are you wanting to start a new business or go socialize with those people who are in that field and talk to them and see what's happening? What's What's relevant today? Are you wanting to make a change move? Like, you know, I'm looking from Chicago to Florida. I'm scared because I love my apartment, but, you know, I could find a place here and it sounds amazing. But what if I don't love it and I'm not as happy as I am here? But you have to kind of take the risk. Maybe another thing of advice would be maybe in that situation with moving, get an Airbnb for two weeks and feel out the lay of the land, dip your toe in a little bit. And see if you like it. Right. 
So, so what I just heard you say are, are two really big things. Mm-hmm. Networking, not only to meet the right people, but also to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. And learning is also a way of the next thing I heard you say, which is mitigating your risk. Yeah. Right. So dipping your toe in the pool before you dive in head first. Yeah, exactly. And the more data and information you have, yeah. then you can, then you can make the decisions for yourself. Yeah. Just test it out. I mean, any change is scary no matter what, but think about the reward afterwards. Cause if yeah. you're not happy in your current situation, why stay like that? At the end of the day, everything's a leap of faith. It is. Yeah. To some point. And it is easier said than done. I do understand that. Yeah. But, you know, just test it out. Dip your pinky toe in. Perfect. All right. Question two. Okay. Take this however you will. Okay. Whatever first comes to mind. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Oh, God. So many things. (laughs) Uh, When it comes to anything... Work. Okay, work. Business. Your career. Um, what do I know now? Um, probably that I, I w- wish that I would have not gotten so hung up on like each audition going out and like taking the risk sooner, like not making sure everything was perfect because everything had to be so perfected before because I'm my own worst critic where somebody else would think, my, like something was perfect where I thought it was just subpar and not great. Just do it. Just go out there and launch it. For example, my app, the bait, I'll give you a perfect example. We're beta testing. Is it perfect right now? No, but it works. It's functional and it's up there. And that's more than like 97% of people can say that they could get an app up on the app store approved by Apple and Google. So you have to be proud of yourself for the work that you do in the moment and don't be so critical of yourself. There's so much there. And it's reminding me of what we talked about earlier about how goal setting is great and planning and strategy is great because it sets a direction. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you just got to get started. Just got to start anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like a train. As long as the train's moving, you can fix it on the way. You can fix it up, but just start the engine and get it moving. Just get it out of the house, like, or whatever, the train station. There's no train in a house, but in a train station. (laughs) (laughs) Get the train out of the station. Yeah, move it. Not the house. Right, correct. But it's just like, just start. I I think a lot of people, myself included, relate to that self-criticism and self-judgment and having to get past that. What have you found is the best way just to do it? just um what's the best way to do it just go like just leave feel yeah just make sure you're wearing something you're confident in like feel your best have like be happy just it's an energy thing too just leap when you're ready obviously don't leap if it's premature and you're not feeling confident yeah but when you think you're ready and you have a little bit of like okay this could be good just do it when you're 80 percent of there you don't yeah. have to be a hundred percent. You know, there is a book that I read. Uh, it's, I think it's called the lean startup. Oh yeah. And I read it a while ago. It basically says if you have, I don't remember the exact word, so don't quote me, but along the lines of if you haven't started or if you just started your startup or you just pushed it out, you're doing it too late. 
Mm. Like it's too late. You should have already do it, done it. But the thing is also you can't have regret. So like this is now in the present. Anybody out there listening who has a startup, just do it. You want to take that first leap. You want to call, you can cold call. What are, what are they going to say? The worst they're going to say is no. You're right back where you started. And that goes back to that thick yeah. skin and yeah. understanding it's not personal. Do you know how many, how many meetings I have taken in LA where it was a complete waste of time? hundreds, but all you need is that one, you know, I raised the 200. Um, we are the first amount. It was like 250, I think. And we put in some of our own money, but you know, I had to go through hundreds of, of, um, you know, meetings and auditions and everything in order to get that. Right. So don't underestimate the effort that goes along the way because it's just that one that's the tipping point that can make all the difference. Yeah, it can make all the difference. And you never know, especially if you go out and you meet somebody, that one person could introduce you to like two other people and that those two other people could introduce you to one other person. And if you didn't go out that one night, then you would have ne never met any of those other people. So it's really about the possibility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The possibilities of the unknown. That's great. And very poetic. <laughs> Marissa, this was a lot of fun. It was. I know. I wish we had more time. I know. Thank I know. you so much for joining. Yeah, for sure. Everyone, please check out everything Marissa's up to. If people want to learn more, how can they get in touch with you and learn? Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram or Facebook. My handle is at Marissa Sachs, M-A-R-I-S-A-S-A-K-S. Um, I respond to all the DMs and questions, comments, concerns. Um, but yeah, pretty much just that. And then my podcast, Get Some, that's on Apple, Spotify. And then we are going to be having you on my show next. So I'm super excited about I'm very that. Very excited. Yeah, we can continue this. It's going to be great. It will. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on another episode of Worked Up. Look out for new episodes on Tuesdays. We always have exciting guests coming down the way. And please don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave reviews. And please connect with us on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting. Our website, www.jacquelinebeckconsulting.com. Or email us at uh, info at JacquelineBeckConsulting.com. And I see my producer looking at me. That is Jacqueline, J-A-C-L-Y-N, Beck, B-E-C-K. I know there's about 10 different ways to spell the name Jacqueline. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>